I had been sitting on the edge of my bed, head in hands, when the still night sky was cleaved by a white light that streaked across the sky before impacting a few kilometers away from my house into a nearby field scattering the grazing herd. The resulting aftershock rippled through the cornstalks, being powerful enough to send me rolling onto the floorboards. I stared up at the ceiling, the pounding of my heart deafening any other thoughts in my head. After rediscovering my feet, I wasted no time in going outside to investigate, the piling eviction notices on the welcome mat crinkling beneath my feet as I rushed out the front door. Excitement and fear pounded through me with each huffing step I took. Most meteors burned up in Earth's atmosphere, let alone in rural Iowa where nothing ever happened was unprecedented. I followed the scorched trail of Earth where it had skidded along, stumbling over flaming blades of grass beneath my feet. I skidded to a halt, finding myself on the precipice of a smoking crater about six foot in diameter. A few cows crowded curiously around it, the fire flickering in their vacant black eyes like burning coals. The forces of gravity pushed down on my back, with my outstretched arms being the only thing keeping me from plunging in. There, at the very center, lay the shooting star. It wasn't at all what I expected. It was an obsidian black orb, the size of a basketball, with a smooth, almost polished exterior which I saw my own darkened reflection blink back at me from. There wasn't even the slightest scratch from its rapid descent through space and crash landing. It gleamed up at me like an exposed pearl, pried from the ridged maw of a shell. Looking down at it, I realized the insanity of my current situation. What was I doing? I glanced down at the glowing screen of my phone, which I'd used to guide myself through the pitch black, wondering who to call. The police, fire crews, the military, the news. Images of green army trucks and khaki-clad soldiers and scientists filing out to probe every inch of my home made my throat constrict. Still, the value of this thing couldn't be underestimated. Any undamaged meteorite had to be at least a million dollars, enough for me to keep my home and buy two new ones. I picked up a splintered shard of fence and gave it a cautious jab, trying to roll it closer to where I was standing, which elicited a metallic clink. A jagged crack appeared vertically up the sphere face of the object and it snapped in two. My heart shriveled in my chest, my hopes vanishing before my very eyes. The two halves clattered aside, revealing a pulsating, fleshy mass that had been concealed within somewhere between plant and animal. It shifted under the glaring spotlight emanating from my phone, bristling tendrils unfurling outwards. Amid to my shock, it spoke to me. Help. Despite its lack of eyes or any other earthly feature, I knew it was looking at me. Help. Hungry. Consume. Fear laced this plaintive, fragmented please. It was a lone life form, displaced light years onto a tiny, backwater planet in some insignificant galaxy, without family or a home, just like I soon would be. Whatever it was, it needed me. I slid down into the crater, landing just a few feet away from where it was wriggling around. Pulling off my jacket, I bundled it into it safe from the prickling night chill. 
Noticing the hose coiled on the ground like a python slithering over the gravel, I whipped it up. Laying the swaddling entity on the ground, I soaked it. The tendrils that trailed out curled inward, engorging as they absorbed the water. Hungry, it whined inside my head. It wasn't enough. Ignoring its body soaking through my clothes, I wrenched open the groaning doors of the vast red barn, my eyes scanning around for anything that might be considered proper sustenance. Half buried in the hay was a bright green bottle of plant formula. I hurriedly snatched it off the ground and raised it towards the creature that I cradled in my arms. Its face unfolded, green prickly flesh splitting apart into fleshy red petal-like segments to reveal a sucker-like opening. In the center of its face, which I took to be a mouth, I held the tip into it, its tense form relaxing as it began to suckle. As I held it, it dawned on me how bizarre it must have looked to any outside observer, the human feeding the alien like some bizarre mockery of parent and child. The worn floorboards of the old farmhouse had once resounded with the running feet and ringing laughter of children, among which had been my own. It had always been a secret dream for my parents to raise my own family there, as our family had done for generations, but I had always preferred my own company to that of others. When I had inherited the farm, it had become my haven from the outside world. I had resigned myself to a life spent alone. I never thought that I would need anyone, but this night had made me reconsider that notion. It let out a warbling hum of satisfaction, a pitch that vibrated through my own body and made my eyelids heavy. I held it close to my chest, determined to share my body heat with it. It made me realize how long it had been since I had been close to somebody. As the escaping sunlight warmed my cheek through the overhead cracks in the supporting beams, I became aware of a sudden tautness around my waist. As my scattered mind tried to recall whether I'd put on a belt, I looked down and saw a thick green tendril wrapped around me. The thing had doubled in size, now about five feet in length. The root-like vines which sprouted from its body had unfurled even longer than that, digging under the earth. The sight of it filled me with a strange sense of fear and pride. A gurgle from my stomach reminded me of my own needs. I headed back inside the house to get breakfast, but before I could even open the doors, I found myself jerked back with surprising force. Glancing down, I saw a prickly tendril curled around my ankle. Stay, it crooned. Sighing, I lifted my leg up to distangle myself from its grasp. Don't worry, I'll be back soon, I promise. It seemed to understand, the appendage sliding back into the darkness to join the multitude of others that sprouted from its cephalopodic body. Inside, I milled over a soggy bowl of cereal, wondering what to do next. I flicked through another yellowing page of the ancient botany book I discovered in the attic. My eyes scoured over the illustrations, trying to find something even remotely like the life form that had taken up residence in the barn. But my every effort was fruitless. There was nothing like it. Nothing on earth, that was. Still, I picked up enough to know that it was siphoning off the energies of the earth, like all plants did but it had no place in our ecosystem. It was an invader, a parasite. 
but it was ignorant of the morality our civilization operated by. A starving man couldn't be blamed for stealing food to support his family. My kind were no better, raising the world under the pretense of industry and progress. The frigid milk droplets soaking through the front pocket of my shirt jolted me back to reality, gazing down at the spoonful that I'd been holding for the past five minutes. Its wriggling body flashed through my mind. I wondered what had compelled me to care about something that wasn't human. The long dormant rational part of myself still hissed inside me to destroy it, but it felt like those tendrils had buried inside me as it had done into the earth, tethering our existences together. All it wanted was a home, just as much as I did. Guilt slid in like a needle being inserted into my body. I knew I couldn't give it the home it wanted. It was a fragile one for both of us, one that would be shattered any day now. I hurriedly swallowed it and rushed back outside to attend to my new guest, shifting those thoughts to the recesses of my mind. Hey buddy, I panted as I wrenched up to the door. How are you holding up? The bulbous head wrenched up in my direction. Its spiny roots had extended even further, lining the weathered interior of the structure, where they webbed outwards into smaller veins that bathed the barn in a faint blue bioluminescence. Consume, it moaned. I know, I know, I muttered. Here, let me get the hose and fill you up, okay? Just as I was about to refill it, there was a rustle of straw. A tiny chocolate brown field mouse timidly scurried out of its hiding place at the far corner of the barn. Its nose twitched in the air, trying to process its changing surroundings. As it bounced forth in search of food to eat, one of the nearest tendrils whipped forward and snatched it into the air. A moment so rapid that it took me a few seconds for my still groggy brain to process what had just happened. It slithered tighter around its tiny body, enough to elicit the crackle of bone. The mouse's pain squeaks grew shriller, still wriggling as it was dragged to the lifeform's mouth. The visceral red opening was slick with a pearlescent fluid which soaked through the wood, as if salivating in anticipation. The mouse plunged, shrieking into the abyss. The sizzle of its skin filled the air, along with a nostril-curling odour of burnt fur as it was slowly digested alive. The screams of the rodent reached an unnatural pitch, which forced me to clap my hands over my ears in a futile attempt to block it out. Once the cacophony subsided, the creature's head dropped. Two shorter tentacles folded over its torso as it gave a rumbling churn of satisfaction, leaving me standing there, frozen in disgusted fascination. A newspaper article about a mouse-eating plant found in the Philippines dredged itself up from the sea of memory. The picture that had accompanied the text had been a scarlet red picture, one that had been filled with digestive enzymes that would dissolve the bones of any small, unwary creature unfortunate enough to clamber in and become trapped. Cannibalistic plants existed, but I had never seen one in action, and this thing didn't have the assurance of documentation. What if its diet extended beyond small rodents? It sensed my rising panic. One of the longer tendrils, about six feet, snaked at my body to caress my cheek. The wet bristles that lined it plugged against the harsh stubble of my cheek. No. No. It hissed. You stay.
anything resembling fear drained from my body. The simple act of affection made my knees buckle. I couldn't remember the last time anyone had touched me like that. I grasped at it, determined to keep it close. We needed each other. That was our actual existence for the next few days. Feeding it, talking and relishing in each other's company. Its growth continued unhindered, spread outward like some rapidly expanding starfish. I knew that it was becoming too big to hide and that others were unlikely to be as accommodating as I had been. They wouldn't understand. They never did. The thought of prying, ignorant eyes falling on my only joy in life made me burn with rage and dread. I wished that the rest of the world would vanish, leaving us to live out the rest of our lives in our isolated paradise. Then came the inevitable knock on the door. The smile fell from my face when I heard it. I had started towards the house, with a life form whining in protest as I retreated. I pursed the finger to my lips and shushed it, afraid the noises would draw someone near. He was already huffing on the doorstep once I opened the door. A paunchy, middle-aged man in an immaculately tailored white suit, a black bolero half buried under his jowls. His thinning black hair was slick into an oily comb-over, his face half-shaded beneath the wide-brimmed imitation cowboy hat he had on. He was red-faced from a mixture of relentless sun and the exertion of having to walk five feet from his awaiting limousine to ring my doorbell. The closest he'd probably ever come to a rodeo was in the spectator's seat, wolfing down butter-soaked popcorn. He sneered down at me behind the dark aviator sunglasses he was wearing. He had hounded me relentlessly over the past few months to the point that his name was enough to make me seethe with rage. Ellison Ruckman, as it had been printed on the business card he shoved into my face when we first met. The biggest name in property in the entire state. Lovely morning, isn't it? He drawled, dabbing the beads of sweat that rolled down his forehead. Perfect for a little chat. With his sleaziest smile, he extended a clipboard out towards me, while clicking a pen in his other hand. This is my final offer, Mr. Parker. It's a tidy little sum. I think even you'll have to agree with that. Enough to buy you a nice little condo somewhere in the sun, instead of sweltering out in the middle of goddamn nowhere. He roared with a laugh at his own joke, barely shaking as he wiped a dismissive finger down the pane of the adjacent window. It was in this moment I seriously considered slamming the door on his foot, but managed to restrain myself. Like I've said before, Mr. Ruckman, this house isn't for sale. No amount of money in the world will ever take it off my hands, I stated. The corners of Ruckman's shark-like grin curled inward into an irritated frown while still trying to appear congenial. You're a stubborn man, Mr. Parker, he tutted. I only want what's best for this community. Can't you see that? Why do you insist on making things so difficult for yourself? Just sign right here and all of your troubles will be gone. The other farming families in the area had already given in to his offers and had long since sold their properties and moved far away. This land had been toiled over by almost five generations of my family. There was no way I would let him raise over all our progress so that he could build a shopping mall. He'd already harassed my poor parents into an early grave. Time had only given me more to protect. I couldn't let him destroy whatever was inside the barn. 
deep down, I knew Ruckman had already won. When you were a man of his wealth, you could buy the world six times over. It was only a short matter of time before the bulldozers would roll up to my property. He seemed to realise this too. His mouth pressed up in a smug satisfaction. A low rumble nearly knocked us both of our feet. The pen he'd been gripping in his sausage-like fingers bounced from his grasp and rolled out underneath the porch. Ruckman dazedly staggered upwards, squinting around. His shade slid down his squat, potato-like nose, revealing eyes with wide terror as he stared behind the house. What the hell? The wooden walls of the barn groaned as they buckled outwards under the rapidly expanding life form within. After straining for a few more minutes, they finally surrendered to the deep cracks. They exploded, showering us with wooden shrapnel. A six-foot splinter landed just two feet away from Ruckman, almost skewering his skull. He cowered into a quacking squat, like a cockroach recoiling within its exoskeleton. The pulsating mass swelled to its zenith, then split open into four vast, fleshy red petals that draped over the jagged sides of the ruined structure, casting a shadow that enveloped us both in the surrounding 200 acres. The developer, his white suit saturated in sweat, tried to make a run for it, only for a tendril 20 feet long to wrap around his thick waist and pull him screaming into the sky, where he was dropped into its massive maw. Familiar screams and hissing filled the air, which was broken by the shrieking of tires as his terrified chauffeur sped off down the dirt track, kicking up rapidly dissipating clots of dirt in his wake. A deep, sonorous groan rose from the centre, like some demented whale song that vibrated through the ground beneath my feet. A dark fog burst upward from its centre, spreading through the atmosphere until no trace of blue sky was visible anymore. As I squinted through the black, I saw the millions of tiny particles teeming within it. Spores. They would be scattered on the rising winds to all the corners of the earth, ready to seed themselves and sprout more of its kind in the world, that would rise to wrestle this planet from the destructive species that ruled it. In the absence of humanity, Earth would bloom. This land was ours now, and no one would ever take it away from us. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. You've worked so hard for all the things you have. The salary, the status, the success. And with that image, there's a drink. One to unwind, one to loosen up, one to take the edge off. But how do you know when a drink is more than just a drink? We get it. We can help. Karen's Grandview program has been helping accomplished people just like you regain their lives. Talk to us. Visit karen.org slash grandview.